0: Hello again. Could it be that Romans 8 is the greatest chapter in the whole Bible? Uh, If you ask a Christian, you know, after tonight, if you ask someone else in this room, what's your favourite chapter or your favourite verse of the Bible? Uh, What's the memory verse that encourages you as a Christian? What's the verse that keeps you going in your faith? If you ask someone a question like that, chances are they will say something from Romans 8. Uh, Yes, they might say John 3.16. Uh, Yes, they might say an obscure Old Testament verse if they're an obscure kind of person. Uh, But just listen to some of these verses from Romans chapter 8, these famous and cherished words that Christians have held dear through the ages. Listen, Romans 8, here are some of the things that we've seen and that we will see today and next week as we look at Romans 8. He says, There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. He says we have the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, "Abba, Father." He says we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus. He says all things work together for the good of those who love God. He says if God is for us, who can be against us? He says if God didn't spare His own Son, he, if God didn't spare His own Son, He offered Him for us. He says we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And the last one, uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All those famous and deeply encouraging words come from Romans 8, this chapter that we're exploring over these three weeks. Is this the greatest chapter in the whole Bible? I'll let you decide at the end. But there's another famous verse in Romans that I didn't just mention, but we did just read. It's chapter 18. Look down at your outline or your Bible. Uh, I've printed there, Romans 8, verse 18. Do you know these words? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. See, no wonder this is another famous memory verse in this famous chapter. Uh, But I wonder, what's your gut response to those words? How does, that, how does that make you feel? How, how does a statement like that uh, affect you? So your first reaction might be, I don't know what that's talking about. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm confused. And that's fine. That's why we're here. We're here to explore what it means and understand it. So stay tuned. Uh, but my hope is for many of us that your first response is, Amen, Paul. Yes, yes. I believe our present suffering, this life is not all there is. We have a glorious future to look forward to, life to come, eternal life with Jesus our Lord, joy and peace. I just can't wait for that day. Come, Lord Jesus. But I wonder if maybe for some of us or maybe just part of us, uh, when we read a verse like that, our first reaction is, really, Paul, how can you say that? Or even how dare you say that because my suffering feels endless and it overwhelms me. Paul, are you really saying my suffering is that insignificant that it doesn't compare to the glory to come? Maybe you feel like Paul trivializes your suffering here, your struggles. Well, today the goal is to dig into this passage and see what it means for us, what it says. Let's pray for God's help. Heavenly Father, we know that your word is good, so please help us to hear it and receive it with thanks, and please let it do the work that you want it to do in our our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So come with me now. Please have your Bible open and your outline there. It's worth saying again that you can't be a casual reader of the book of Romans. You must work hard. You don't get the treasure if you don't dig. You have to sweat. Sorry on this nice hot day to say that. So look at your outline there. The first thing we're going to do is look at verse 18. Uh, Because verse 18 is kind of like the heading or the summary for the whole passage. So what we're going to do is spend a lot of time just on verse 18. And then later on, we'll look at the rest of the verses a bit more quickly. Okay? So let's read it again. Romans 8, verse 18. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory of That is going to be revealed to us. Now, what's Paul talking about? What what are the big things he's talking about here? Well, he's comparing two things, isn't it? Actually, he says, don't compare them. Um, But he's holding up two things. Two things for us to see and to think about. What are they? Look at them, look at the verse again. Number one, the sufferings of this present time, and number two, the glory that's going to be revealed to us. These are the two things he holds up for us to think about: suffering and glory. Now, why is he talking about these things? Why mention suffering and glory? Well, it's because of what he's been trying to do over the last few chapters of Romans. So look back at verse 16 and 17 in your Bible. This is the end of the passage we saw last week that Adriel took us through. Uh, what did we see there? Verse 16, we saw the wonder that if we have the Spirit of God, if we've turned to Jesus, if we become a Christian, then we are God's children. We have this amazing privilege of calling on God as our Father, And verse 17, that makes us heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus. So because we are God's sons and Jesus is our brother, we have an inheritance on the way. We have the guarantee of eternal life with Jesus when he returns and makes all things new. But then he adds this little bit at the end of that verse, did you notice? Verse 17, we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that or provided that we suffer with him, Jesus, so that we may also be glorified with him. What's that about? We're simply saying that if you are a Christian, if you are united with Jesus, you will suffer like your Lord did. You will suffer with him in this life, just as he did. And if you press on in faith through that, and if you persevere to the end, well, you will be glorified with him on the last day. So the path to eternal glory on the last day is persevering in faith even through suffering and struggle, the suffering we can face as Christians in this life. So it's suffering now and glory later. And so verse 17 mentions that idea. And so verse 18, well, he just keeps moving on with that same idea, talking about suffering and glory. You see, this is what Paul's been trying to show us in the recent chapters of Romans. He's been showing us the tension of the Christian life. This is what chapters 7 and 8 are about. They're about the now and the not yet. They're about the fact that, yes, we have been saved now. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God, reconciliation, redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the Holy Spirit in us. All those things are ours, according to the earlier chapters of the book in Romans. We have incredible blessings from God now. But there are also blessings of salvation to come that are not yet. Think back to two weeks ago, chapter 7. Yes, we are free from slavery to sin. Yes, we're free from the condemnation of the law. But there's still a war within us. We still struggle with sin. Paul says, what a wretched man I am. And we're wretched too. We do the sin that we don't want to do. And we don't do the good things that we want to do. God will save us from our bodies of death and sin, but not yet. Not until the Lord returns. Or think back to last week, chapter 8. We have the Holy Spirit. A great transformation has taken place, but the body is dead because of sin. And that day when God brings our mortal bodies to life, it lies in the future for us. Present suffering and struggle with sin and future glory. That's what Paul's trying to to get us to understand and to get. So that takes us back to verse 18. Paul holds these two things up, suffering and glory, but what does he actually say about each of them? See, what are they? We need to ask that question. Uh, Look closely again at verse 18. What are the sufferings that he's talking about? Paul says the sufferings are of this present time. And then the only other time he mentions is, the time of glory, eternal life, when Jesus returns. And so the sufferings of this present time are any and all suffering that we face as Christians in this life, in this fallen world, in this fallen age. It's the suffering we've experienced since Genesis chapter 3. and the next few verses, Paul goes on to say what that struggle is like. He talks about the, the creation being subject to futility and decay and corruption. We live sin cursed lives in a sin cursed world. So that's the suffering in verse 18. But what's the glory? Well, verse 18 says it's the glory that's going to be revealed to us. It's future glory. It's glory, I'm just getting my slides on the right spot. It's glory uh, that we look forward to when Jesus returns. And there there are going to be many glorious things on that day that Jesus returns. But does Paul have something in particular in mind? I think he does. He actually shows us in the rest of the passage. Let's dip into a few verses. What is the glory that's going to be revealed? Look at verse 19. He says, Creation eagerly waits with anticipation for the sons of God to be revealed. God's children, his people in Christ, will be visible and made clear on that day. Look at verse 21. The creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption and into the glorious freedom of God's children. We, God's people, will experience freedom. Now, what are those things hinting at? I think the answer is in verse 23. Verse 23, partway through, Paul says, We Christians also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Put all that together and what do you get? What is the glory to be revealed to us? It's being raised like Jesus was raised. So remember back to verse 17. That's another verse that helps us understand this. We suffer with Jesus so that one day we might be glorified like him. And how is Jesus glorified? He was raised from the dead. That's the glory that's going to be revealed to us. when We're we're currently waiting for, for the fullness of our adoption, when our bodies will be redeemed, the last part of us to be saved, our bodies, so that we will then be free from sin, free from death, raised with a glorious body like Jesus, a new body that the Spirit brings to life, not a body of death that constantly struggles with sin. That's the glorious freedom from, of God's children freedom from our dying sin affected bodies that's how God's sons will be revealed and made clear that's our hope as Christians look at verse 24 he says now in this hope we were saved you see we were saved when we first put our trust in Jesus I hope that you would do that uh, tonight if you haven't already done that when we first believed in Jesus we were saved we believed God's promises and it was credited to us as righteousness. But we don't have it all yet. We were saved for a huge future hope, for a future glory. God will rescue us from our dead and sin-stained bodies, are prone to wander and be tempted. We will, he will give us new glorious bodies like Jesus. We will be free. Okay, back to verse 18. I said we're hanging in verse 18 for a while. Paul says, yes, in verse 17, we we will suffer with Jesus just as he did. But verse 18, that suffering is nothing, he says. Nothing compared to our future glory, to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. He says there isn't even a comparison that can be made between those two things, our present suffering, our future glory. You You can't draw a line between them because they're too far apart. Why? Well, because our future glory is the last piece in the puzzle of our salvation. It's God doing away with the body of sin and death and clothing us with a body for all eternity. All of our suffering will be swallowed up. We'll be free from death and sin and decay and pain and any curse that sin has brought on us. See, it might be hard for us to understand or to grasp but our suffering, no matter how bad it gets, or no matter how much of it there is, our present suffering is not worth comparing to our future glory, the hope that God has in store for those who who turn to his son. The glory of that day is beyond what we could possibly imagine. The, the day that Jesus returns and we are raised like him We can't begin to fathom how glorious that would be. We get just like a snapshot of it in in the scriptures. How wonderful will the reality be? So praise God for, for the joy and the rejoicing and the wonder and the glory of that day. That will make all our suffering pale in comparison. Do you believe that? Now that's a great encouragement. I pray you find it a great encouragement even as you wrestle with that truth. What do we do now? What do we do now in the meantime where we experience the present suffering? As Christians, what do we do until the day of glory and, and resurrection and life? That's what the rest of the passage tells us about. Now that we've spent a long time on verse 18, uh, it's the key verse, we're now going to move to the rest of the passage. We're not going to spend as long on the rest of the verses. We're just going to draw a few things out. Okay? So what do we do in the meantime as we wait for the day of glory? There's a few things we do in the meantime as Christians. The first one is we groan. doesn't sound very inspiring, but hopefully it is as we look at it. Look at verse 19 and 20 and 21. First, Paul says, uh, the creation groans in futility and corruption. That's what we see in the world, don't we? We see the creation is under the curse of sin. And so the weather and the oceans and the land, uh, they fall into chaos and turmoil. We have destructive storms, dangerous uh, waters. We have earthquakes. These are like labor pains, Paul says, before the return of Jesus, where he renews and restores all creation. And brings a new creation, fit for eternity. So even creation groans and longs for this glory to come. But if you then look closer to home for us, look at verse 23. Paul says that we as Christians groan within ourselves. You're meant to groan if you're a Christian. I'm not going to get you to practice groaning now. That would be a bit weird. But you're meant to groan as a Christian. Earlier in the year, I preached a sermon on the sin of grumbling and whinging. That's a sin, but, but there is such thing as godly grumbling, or, or better put, godly groaning. Because this groaning that this is talking about here, it isn't from spite or discontentment that grumbles against God. No, it's more a yearning spirit, a, a, a spirit that longs and for the present suffering to end and for that future glory to arrive. And it just makes sense when you actually think about it. When you go through pain and, and when you know that there is an end in sight, you groan, you yearn for it. This is groaning towards God, longing for Him to fulfill His word. Look at how Paul puts it in verse 23. He says, And not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as first fruits, so this is the Holy Spirit working in us, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Don't you just love how Paul puts it there? The Spirit is the first fruits. And so the redemption of our bodies, that is the full harvest to come. And because we have the Spirit living in us, that means we are guaranteed to be raised with Jesus on the last day. The full harvest will come because we already have the first fruits. Our hope and our confidence is that God will finish the job that he started. If he's given us his Spirit now, he will raise us on the last day. But we groan as we wait. Because now we suffer and we struggle with sin. We long for freedom, for things to end, for our bodies to be redeemed and renewed. You see, this, this doesn't actually belittle our suffering and struggles. It actually validates them. Our present suffering can make us groan in despair, and there's a rightness to that. And I know enough of you, well enough, to know that many of you have had significant struggles, even this year. Struggles with with pain, struggles with illness, struggles with relationships, struggles uh, with mental health, spiritual struggles. The encouragement here is that the glory to come is incomparable. Our suffering makes us yearn all the more and long for that day when Jesus returns. And we lean on God even more through our struggle as we groan. Do you groan? Do you yearn for the glory to come? Or are you someone who grumbles instead? Or are you just not even, your mind's not even on that, and so you're focused on the things of this world? Paul here turns our eyes and our hearts to our future glory and says, groan for that day. Well, that leads us to the second thing that we do. We eagerly wait. Um, Did you notice Paul, he says that a few times. Look down at verse 23 again. See, halfway through, he says, We also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Or look at verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not yet see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Same words, both times. Now, what is this not talking about? This is not talking about waiting in the doctor's uh, room, in the waiting room. Uh, You know, when you're a little bit sick, you need to get a script of antibiotics or something like that and so you sit there in the waiting room you feel kind of rubbish and so you just kind of stare into space Uh, or actually what we do is we stare into our phones uh, and we're bored and we're hungry and we're tired and we're fidgety and we don't want to be there and this is this is kind of just pointless that's what it feels like that's not eagerly waiting is it no, this is more, what this is talking about is more like kids on Christmas Eve who can't stop talking and thinking about the presents, the presents. Uh, or it's like being apart from your family and you just long to be back with them again. You deeply miss them. You, wanna, you just want to hug them. You're focused on that thing that you're waiting for. It's not futile and pointless. We're focused on it. So our hope as Christians is eternal life. That's amazing, isn't it? bodies free of sin and death and sickness, we have an incredible hope to eagerly wait for. How can we not look forward with longing? Are you eagerly waiting for the glory to come when Jesus returns? But did you notice Paul also said we eagerly wait with patience? And the sense of this is that we're waiting with endurance and with perseverance. It's not giving up when it feels like it's taking too long. Uh, have you ever lined up uh, to get lunch at a takeaway place uh, and you, you know, you're just really hungry, but then the line is just really long and then the staff are just really, really slow and so what do you do? You just give up and you walk away. I'd rather just go hungry. Now, what if what if it was your favorite food establishment that you were waiting in line for? What if it's fresh, juicy Eljanas that you're waiting for? You're willing to wait for that, aren't you? Maybe not everyone here loves that, but I do. You'll persevere, even if the line is long, even if the service is slow, because you just want to taste that chicken, or the garlic sauce, or the pickles. The pickles get me every time. <laughs> uh, as Christians, we eagerly wait with patience, patient endurance, with perseverance. Why? Because Jesus is not worth giving up on. Our faith is not worth throwing away, because our hope, being raised with Jesus, is worth waiting for will you persevere as you wait for that day of glory will you eagerly wait for it but the last thing this passage teaches us and really one of the most mind-blowing things about it is that even though we suffer and we groan god hasn't left us alone he has provided us with help and with comfort as we wait for glory It's in verse 26, and this is just one of those incredible, hard-to-get-your-head-around verses of the Bible, this truth, but it's just wonderful. So look at verse 26 with me. In the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also joins to help us in our weakness because we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. Creation groans, do you notice that? We groan, but here the Holy Spirit in us groans. And I said, this is hard to wrap our heads around, but what it's saying is this, when we are struggling and weak, when we are at the bottom of the barrel, when we are like the psalmist of Psalm 43 who says he is in turmoil and depression, when we don't even know what to pray, and our suffering and struggle and sin overwhelms us, The Holy Spirit in us groans and prays on our behalf to God the Father. That's a bit out there. But this idea, it's just meant to fill us with comfort. That even in our deepest struggles, God is for us, God is with us, God is in us. The Spirit in us prays both on our behalf, but also, it says, in line with the will of God. And so he's, he's interceding between the two of us. There's no tension between the two. Between us and God, the Spirit prays on our behalf and perfectly in line with God's will. Whatever we need, whatever is glorifying to God. What a wonderful mystery. Do you draw comfort from that truth? I pray that we all do. Because actually, that's what this passage is meant to do for us. It's meant to be about our comfort and our assurance and our encouragement as God's precious people. See, it's meant to assure us that our struggle in this life is normal and that God has given us a great hope and his spirit in us and a wonderful future glory that nothing compares to. And so this hope, this assurance, makes us keep persevering in faith till that day. So do you groan? Do you eagerly wait? Do you wait with perseverance for that glory to come? And do you, like Paul, consider that our present suffering isn't even worth comparing to our future glory? See, no wonder Romans 8 is a favorite for so many of us. I want to finish again with verse 18. I told you it's been a long time in verse 18. I just want to read out verse 18 again so that we can take those words on for ourselves, so that it's not just Paul who considers it this way, but we consider it this way. Hear what he says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Amen.